This podcast is the result of my passion for languages and for talking to people. I have conversations with language professionals who are willing to share their experience. We focus on their work, but also on how their love for languages has shaped their personal lives. I'm Rita Prazeres Gonçalves, and I provide language services such as translation, localization, voiceover, and others in English and in Portuguese. I am also a language mentor for Portuguese speakers who are learning English and English speakers who are learning Portuguese. I am the language worker. Get in touch if you would like to know more about how I can help you with your projects. My email is rita at thelanguageworker.com. This podcast is also available as a videocast on YouTube. Hi, everybody. So today I have Fabrizio, right? He will help me with all the pronunciations. I don't know his last name, but it's no, I, I would not risk this one. So no <laughs> I'll leave it to him. But he seems to have a very interesting job. And um, he seems to, just like me, have gravitated uh, towards both language work and then other uh, facets of our language industry. And that is really interesting to me, of course. So we will discuss that in detail. But first, let's just know how you pronounce Fabrizio's name, like name and last name. And then <laughs> just uh, wondering uh, what the story was, because I saw that you studied languages and cultures and literatures. And the first question is, so when you approached your BA, what was the idea? Was it the languages? Was it the cultures? Or was it the literatures? So good morning, Fabrizio. And thank you so much for being here. Good morning to you. So... My surname is Valgoi. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, quite weird. There are not many Valgois in Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad is from the very north of Italy, at the border with Switzerland. There's a very small community with this surname. And that I know that there are a lot of Valgois in Argentina then. Ah. Probably the immigrants from Italy mm -hmm. to Argentina right. move there. So yeah, so it's Valgoi. So I would say my background with languages started in high school, actually. Mm -hmm. I was really not good in high school. I didn't like studying or anything. I was not good at all. So we have this like uh, scoring system in Italy. It goes from one to ten. Mm -hmm. One is the worst and ten is the best. And I was always around five, six, I would say. Maybe seven if it was a good day. <laughs> uh, but then it was when, you know, Netflix and all of those uh, streaming platforms like popped up. Mm -hmm. And I really got into them. I was every day watching content in English, um, in Spanish, because I was also studying Spanish. And that's where I really fell in love with languages. Mm -hmm. um, I also got into music at the same time. And then, yeah, when it came to study at university, I was like, what am I going to do? I feel like English is the only subject I'm good at, languages in general. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's enroll into uh, languages, but also literatures. Because uh, in high school, It was actually like a high school based on humanities. I was doing mm -hmm. a lot of literature, Latin, philosophy. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. So I enrolled in my BA, loved the language part, hated the literature part. <laughs> so it was not really a great idea. But yeah, that's where I really understood I was good at languages. And that's what I then pursued in life. Then I finished my BA. I enrolled in my MA again mm -hmm. in languages and literature because I kind of had to like go on with the same path and then uh, yeah that's it I did my first internship in uh, during my MA in uh, Spain in a very small um, 
LSP because mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to work with languages. I actually started there as a translator mm -hmm. from Spanish to Italian. And then I moved on as a project management intern. Mm. And that's where I really understood I was good at project management. <laughs> so I was like, let's do this in life. Because I really like it. I really like it. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, an internship in project management. Now that's something yeah. special. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of different, I would say. I mean, not everyone would do that as an internship. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But Yes, and I just first, why to... did you go to Spain? Was it like a, a special program, or was it something that you've always wanted? Was it because you were studying Spanish, I guess, as one of your languages? Yes, I studied English, Spanish, and French, but I wanted to go to Spain because mm. I was really close to the culture. Uh, 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 I had been there before and wanted to work there. I wanted to have an experience there, and it was amazing. I was in Granada, mm. very small city, but super active in the south of Spain and Andalusia. I loved it. But yeah, very maybe small, not, um... but there's uh, very important things there. <laughs> yes, yeah. The history, the culture, it was uh -huh. amazing. Loved it. It was during summer, though. Super hot. <laughs> not recommended during summer. That's still beautiful. And, uh, and yeah, um, I was just like, yeah, let's try this. Let's see how it goes. Because I wanted but to be why, in the why project management? So you went there as an intern for, for translation. I get that, right? Because yes. you didn't really study translation, but then I guess yes. it's one of the ways that you can interpret uh, uh, a BA in these subjects, right? But yes. then uh, while you were doing it, so something happened. So that you actually did, a, was it like two internships or was it one? No, with it was two one. Parts? <laughs> the first one was only two months, but mm. then they were looking for another intern in mm. process management. And I was already there available. So it just happened. They proposed mm. me. They were like, do you want to work in process management and see how it goes? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So it was. And then how was the first impact from the, I always like this because it's like, how do you move? <laughs> from language work <laughs> into yes. project management, right? So this is a yes. subject that I really enjoy talking about because yes. I always say that you have to have, if you do this at the same time, which you didn't, I suppose, right? No, it was not at the same time. It was not I at did the same one time. first and then the other one, yes. Yeah. So then you have to wear two different, very different hats because it's just the mind frame has to be completely transformed in order to go from language work into project management. I'd say that I, maybe people don't, people don't see it like that because it seems like for some people, it's kind of a natural flow, progression, et cetera. But I would say for the majority of people, if you start uh, doing language work and then you changed into project management, for the people that I know, they feel forced to move into project management. So oh. it's not something that they wanted, but it's something that had to happen in order for them to further their career in that particular LSP. But since you hadn't been a freelancer before or anything, right? So you went straight no. into this internship. So what happened yeah. there? So you they said, well, then now it's you. So how was the, the first approach <laughs> to work? Because it's nothing to do with, with the previous one. Yeah, so I'm just a very curious person by nature. And I just wanted to try it out. Because mm -hmm. I was in the team with the project managers as well. And I was actually fascinated by what they were doing because mm. it was a it was a small LSP, I would say, but they had a lot of clients and mm. they were working on a lot of different like subjects. So when you say small, let's look at the number of project managers, for example, which is really how you can tell, I suppose. <laughs> it was small. It was five project managers. Ah. I would mm. say it was it was small. Uh, but they were doing translations, they were doing voiceover, they were doing interpreting. So it was mm -hmm. actually quite varied. 
It was mm. interesting for me. So the, was, the agency was didn't have, or the LSP didn't have a specific uh, vertical or subject that they specialized in, and they took no, it was uh, kind multiple of types of... <laughs> yes, wow. everything that came in, they were like, okay, let's do it. And that's how it goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they had very experienced people, so that's why they were able to do that. Right. So then you you start the first day. You already know the people. You go to their desks and start, you know, looking at what they're doing. And then how was it? Was like all of a sudden you're not doing this language work very intense, very yeah. <laughs> focused like that. And then it's something you have to be focused on other details, right? Yes, including was... uh, the financial part, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, at first it was kind of hard because, of course, you have to learn how all the programs work how the cut tool works, how to deal with the linguists, how to deal with the clients. It was a lot, I have to say. So I actually stayed there then for my internship for four months. Hmm. And then I moved back to Italy and I graduated. And then I started to work in another LSP mm-hmm. as a junior in Italy. And that's where I actually learned everything that I know from project management. Um, it's another LSP, a very small one. This one had, I think, 6 p.m., so pretty much the same in mm-hmm. Milan, uh, very uh, high fashion clients, high-hand clients, luxury fashion. And I was really interested in this topic. So mm. that's where I really, I was really like, okay, let's get into this. Let's learn everything. Let's perfect, perfection my uh, processes, my strategies, my how to deal with clients, how to deal with linguists. And that's where I, I fell in love with the job, I would say. It totally uh, but, makes sense that you do fashion work while in Milan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I guess. I'm actually from Milan. My, right. my dad is from the very north of Italy. But yeah, it really makes sense. Yeah, we have a lot, a lot of clients from Milan in high mm-hmm. fashion. And yeah, I loved it. So can, it you was... throw, can you throw a few names since this was already in the past, like names, because of course you don't deal directly necessarily with those brands, but I always have like my couple of names that I throw sometimes when I talk about past clients. Yes, I, I guess I can throw a couple of names. I would say Loro Piana, Cucinelli, Bernard Cucinelli, uh, even Chanel, Moncler, these kind of clients are really high-end right. clients, mm. super demanding. So sometimes <laughs> it was actually really hard to work with these clients. But I think that's when you learn and mm. you also, I don't know, play with your things. You try to uh, always push your limits and actually do a good thing. So I really loved it. Mm-hmm. So then I stayed there for a couple of years. Uh, my position evolved. I was first a junior, then I became a PM. And yeah, one day I realized that I wanted to do something abroad because uh, mm. I was tired of being in Italy. So then I had this... <laughs> You're really tired good... of being in Italy. <laughs> yeah, because I've always actually traveled abroad. I've lived in different countries. I've lived in France, in uh, Colombia. Oh I've my God, you in, did. Uh, Why did you live in Colombia? Uh, when was that? I studied there for a semester. It was, uh, yeah, during university, six months. It was mm. this... Uh, Where were you? Program. In Medellin Bogota. or? Bogota. Oh, Bogota. Yeah, yeah. I, I was in, uh, not for, for a long period, but I, I went there for, for, it was my first interna- international um, speaking gig, right? So oh. it was a symposium in, in on terminology and yes. it was in Cartagena de India. So, I mean. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yes, that was really good. Yes, <laughs> so I always yeah. feel very excited when people mention Colombia, of course. Yes, I love it. I love the culture, I love the food, I love everything. Looking forward to go back, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it was hard to leave after 15 days. It was like, oh no 
because it's it, I really feel a lot of you know connection with anything in the American continent I guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I guess it's I'm because I always say that I'm a fake European person right okay uh, when people said oh but you're European I'm like yeah but I'm just a terrible example of it <laughs> <laughs> I'm short, I'm dark, I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sophisticated, I guess not. <laughs> no, it's I do, fine. I do feel a, a lot better in, in, in the Americas, I have to say, I have, I, I think it's, it's, it has a lot more to do with me, but, so I understand when people feel that really strong connection and they were like, wow, this feels like home, because I guess that's the way it is for everyone, right? Super inviting and super warm yes. in terms of the people, right? Yes. So that's, I, I was there just for a short period in, in Cartagena, but it was still was like, oh, I still talk about it all the time. And it was <laughs> over over 20 years now. <laughs> oh, let's go back together. <laughs> it was lovely. And they had this amazing Italian community. It was lovely. Mm. Lovely. Mm. So yeah. Anyways. So you wanted uh, yeah, to move out of Italy. I wanted to move out of Italy. And I had this great opportunity and I moved to Germany. So right mm -hmm. now I'm living in Germany. And I am working for Puma, the sports tech company, yeah. uh, as a localization manager. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's great. It was probably the best move for my career because I have worked as a linguist. I'm also currently a linguist still. Mm -hmm. I have worked in the agency side and now I'm working on the client side. So I've mm -hmm. seen all, all of three sides. I know and what I would you mean. Say this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I know where the best yes. one is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it was really interesting to see all of three aspects mm -hmm. of the um, of the industry. Yes. So, what's um, your? I mean, when you heard that you were going to, so did you apply? Did you? Yes. What I was the story? So you applied yeah, while yeah. you were still in Italy. Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. I did my interviews in the, re in the room process and everything, and they got me. And so mm -hmm. I moved immediately to Germany. Yeah. But were you focused on going specifically to Germany or were you looking to go somewhere else or just, you know, anywhere in Europe? So what was your story when you thought about uh, just started branching yeah, out? Yes, I was looking somewhere else, not specifically mm -hmm. in Germany, but I knew that I wanted to work on the client side and not anymore on the LSP side. So... Yeah, it was not Germany. I was actually looking, yeah, all around Europe. I would say mainly uh, the Netherlands or uh, Denmark. I wanted to go up north. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I ended up in Germany. And then you were like, well, so did you have multiple options or was it the first one that came up and you thought, oh my God, this is so good. I'm not going to wait for anything else. So what happened there? No, I actually had three options, but mm -hmm. I would say that Puma was the biggest name. So that's why I, I moved here. <laughs> mm. That's great. So you still do language work? Like in which context? So uh, uh, you mean at Puma or in my personal I life? don't know. So <laughs> is it present well, in multiple <laughs> places or just at Puma? Or what's the story? Are you still like doing freelance work at the same time? Or are you working uh, in language work? within the company because you say you are a translation manager right you don't say at your current title at least what you write is not project manager is translation manager so why do you call yourself translation manager yeah so i would say in my personal life i am a freelancer i work mm. with um, three clients i would say mainly and i do uh, translations for them from English to Italian mm -hmm. it's mainly something that I do during the weekend because of course I don't have a lot of time during the weekdays I would say mm -hmm. while at Puma uh, so at first I actually started out as a copy and translation manager mm -hmm. 
So I was responsible for copy and translation management for Puma Europe. Um, our uh, source language is English, and then we had uh, six uh, target languages, plus some very small other languages, European languages for different topics like retail and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then the position kind of evolved, and now I am a localization manager because mm-hmm. it got bigger and better. And now I also deal with, uh, uh, of course, more things, but I also deal with like uh, the improvement of our current tools. I deal with uh, our strategy, internal strategy in terms of localization. And I cannot, of course, like disclose um, everything we do. I know, I know. (laughs) Yeah, but it's more about the dynamic role and I have many more responsibilities compared to when I I started. Yeah, so, so it's actually it, quite interesting. I I love it. I can imagine. Yes. So when you have your other clients, is it in the same arena or is it totally different subjects and you're still, you know, tackling a lot of other types of content or are you focusing on? Because I, I don't really know what the focus is necessarily because I, I mean, I, I know it's sports apparel, right? But I'm sure you yes. have a lot of other things going on at the same time have to do with, I don't know, artists or or sports people who represent the brand and all of that so that's a, a, a bit of a different kind of subject so in your private work is it the same type of, of uh, arena <laughs> let's use this <laughs> word <laughs> or is it something completely different so at puma yes it's sports side it's marketing it's also legal it's many different things in my personal life i am specialized in fashion due to my oh right and I'm also specializing right now in UX because I can see where the industry is kind of going. So it's something that I think is good to be specializing right now. Mm-hmm. But mainly fashion. Yeah, for my clients, I translate Italian to English for fashion. Mm-hmm. So it kind of merges the, the fashion part of, of, of things, right? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, I would say like Puma is actually more, it's not high fashion. Mm-hmm. It's more sports style. So it's a bit more chill, I would say. Um, for other clients, it's a bit more technical and also the language is a little bit more high-end. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's a difference. But yeah, I would say everything is under the same uh, mm-hmm. like topic, domain. Yeah, because the clients for Puma are, start when they are babies, I guess. And then, you know, they <laughs> you have to appeal yes. to, to the masses, <laughs> I suppose, no? yes. compared yes. To, to the high-fashion clients that have very specific public, I suppose. Yes, right. yes, correct. So how was the first approach to, I mean, I remember when I worked at Google and worked at Apple and all of those places. So when you get somewhere with a big name like that, uh, <laughs> what was, how was the first impact? Is like a, a building with the big name outside, like like <laughs> you have for Google, or is it more uh, yeah, it's kind of the discreet? Same, it... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not discreet. You have this huge Puma signs everywhere, but it's actually very appealing. I remember I got there on the first day. I was so scared because I used to work in very small places. Mm-hmm. As I told you, in very small LSPs with, I would say, 15, 20 <laughs> employees. And then you move to Puma, which is like huge. And you have all of these people, all of these things to do. But I think I dealt with that kind of well, I would say. Uh, I was super excited. I wanted to make a good impression. And that's what I did. I think, hopefully. 
Um, but yeah, it was scary. And I would say since the focus of Kumo is, of course, not on localization, uh, it was really hard to make management understand what, first of all, what localization is, because they didn't even know, and then how to uh, add localization to our current strategy. Because I, I think that in these huge companies, uh, localization is not, of course, a priority. And when you have to localize something, it's always the very last step. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a really huge mistake that everyone does. Mm-hmm. No one considers localization as something important, uh, as something that really drives uh, sales and revenue. So when you're there and you have to propone your strategy, uh, you are always judged by like external things, like how fast you are, uh, how good the quality is, how much money you save when you work with a, a specific LSP. So it's really hard to get into this place because also they didn't have anything before I started. Mm-hmm. Everything was run by copywriters. They were also dealing with the localization part. I got there and it was completely different. I had to build everything from scratch and it was a very huge challenge for me. Uh, of course, now the situation is better after one year and a half, but it was really hard, especially at the beginning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds yes. challenging. So yes. what's the story? Do you, these days, and when you started working in the localization part of it, so what happens? Do you work with, I mean, do you do you send out projects? Do you send out projects to your team? Do you deal with the people who are creating the original content? Is the original content, which I, I've heard in the industry, not talking necessarily about your, I mean, this is more of your view of the world because we're not going to talk about the brand necessarily because... Uh, we don't need it. We don't need to talk about the brand because I guess it's it's the same. It's like a a common thing everywhere. So, do you feel like the original materials, and I suppose you're, you've been working on that side too, uh, are ready for localization afterwards, or is that immediately where the problems start? I would say it's also where the problems start because um, it's really hard for companies to realize that they don't have only one target. Mm-hmm. like audience but they actually have many target audiences they're different from country to country they different in terms of age in terms of locations many many different factors so when you create the target copy in our case it's in english um it's not ready for every other country that we deal with mm-hmm. so that's where the problem actually starts and then of course you cannot deal with translation by basic translation because it wouldn't work like the thing that works for English doesn't work for Spanish, doesn't work for Portuguese, doesn't work for Italian. Mm-hmm. So you always have to adopt your content. But we also have many, many rules, at least in my company. So mm-hmm. you cannot actually have this freedom and create something completely different from the source. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really challenging every time. Uh, we are working on it. But yeah, it's it's really, really challenging, especially because you also work with a lot of people um both when you create the target uh and then we when you create the source um files it's super super challenging and it's a problem that many many companies have i feel like Mm -hmm. so what happens with the localized uh, content do you send it out do you have internal teams or is it like a mixture like at apple what they did at the time was to have like a core group of people who were employees at Apple, I suppose it's still the same, 
And then you had, depending on the language, a different number of people, right, involved in the localization uh, department. And then the bulk of the work would have to be outsourced because, of course, it's humongous yes. numbers of words. So do you work in the same way or do you have everything done internally? I guess not, right? No, it's kind of the same. We have a few internal people for specific languages and then the rest just goes out. And mm -hmm. we deal either with LSPs or freelancers. It depends on the on the content and what we want to do internally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say it's impossible to do everything inside. Even if you try, you need to uh, you need to have a lot of resources. It's kind of impossible nowadays. So it's better to uh, send everything outside. But also, when you send something outside, it's kind of hard to have the control over what uh, other people do. Mm -hmm. so it's another challenge that you face every single day mm -hmm. and maybe you get your content back it's not what you wanted but then you don't have time to like actually uh, correct this content because also um, e-commerce is a very fast-paced environment yes. so everything needs to be ready like uh, from one day to the other so yeah it's super challenging but we're working with it Yes, I know how it goes, and I love it. Yes. <laughs> some days, yes, some knows other that days, no. Localization <laughs> is my soft spot. So, yeah, for sure. So, uh, without getting into too much detail, uh, what yes. would you say it's your internal organization in terms of the, I suppose you have one localization team, right? Because in at Apple, uh, this was a long time ago, so I can talk about it, I guess, probably not even the same building or anything, but... <laughs> They yeah. kind of had a, a whole building that was dedicated to this, right? And everybody was working on the same project from different perspectives, but everybody was there. But there was like a, a, a manager and then uh, people, engineers, and then uh, the, the translators themselves and all of these people working together, which is amazing. Apple had an, an amazing environment. I suppose they still do. They're famous for what they do on the outside. But I guess at least at that time, I really enjoyed going there because I was working um a lot of times from the headquarters and would go there for meetings. And so I, I have the impression that bigger companies have an even better environment, that they are very inviting and that things are very, are organized in a, in a more, sometimes more organic way because they've had the time to mature and they also have the resources to implement in terms of the desks, in terms of, you know, the buildings that they have, how how they are fit to people, right? And how people yes. feel in them. So do you guys have like a, a whole big, huge building just for localization? Is it a lot of people working there? Do you have like uh, internal, let's say you do localization management and then you have project managers. And I mean, like in a broad sense, how does that go in terms of department? If it's well, a department. I, I wish it was just like Apple, to be <laughs> honest. So we're kind of new to localization, to be honest. So it's uh, a rather small group. Um, and now, of course, it's growing because we're learning a lot and trying to keep up with the competitors. Uh, but yeah, it's rather small, I would say. Um, yeah, I would say right now around 10 people, so it's not that much. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it will definitely grow in the future, uh, hopefully. <laughs> And uh, yeah, just trying to every day better ourselves and uh, come up with new strategies and how to deal with things better. Mm. Are the, the majority of people, those 10 people, 12 people working with you, have this, do they have the same background? Do they come from the industry or are they coming from other places and then they just gathered all there and now you're working together? Because I know a bunch of companies now 
that are gathering their internal team for translation or localization, depending on the case. And it seems like people that used to be in the industry, in the LSP side of things, um, are now being taken to other types of companies in order to form or to create from scratch. Usually from what I see, a lot of my friends, especially from Transperfect, are now in yeah. other companies, other brands, big brands like Uber, places like that, where they actually have their own internal localization management team, not necessarily that they do localization there, but that they actually manage things from there. So is that that way? Or do you have people who come from other backgrounds? No, it's kind of the, the same. We're actually lucky because we have people from the industry that actually understand what uh, our company needs. Um, but of course, then we work with a lot of people uh, that come from other um, industries. We work a lot with content managers. We work with CRM managers, paid social managers. So of course, they don't necessarily come from that background, of course. Uh, so it's also a challenge to make them understand what our needs are and to like, communicate effectively with, um, in terms of every campaign that we create. Um, but yeah, it's good to have my uh, people coming from the industry who have the same struggles as me <laughs> and uh, they can help me make things better. That's really great. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you have like uh, reference glossaries, things like that? Is this something that you create? there or do you outsource that kind of work i have to ask because that's what i do so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so because I, uh, I work mostly in localization right so uh yes. and i i do work with with a few uh brands uh not apparel at the moment but i have worked with a lot of companies in that domain it's it's quite complicated to be honest it's very it's i think it's one of the most challenging ones i right now i have projects that are a bit more technical and I would mm -hmm. say that the challenges are different, but maybe not as scary as it is for apparel. Because, I mean, you do have a very specific relationship with with objects, right? And with yes. uh, things that you wear. And I did something for one of those big brands some time ago, some months ago. And it was about hats. And mm -hmm. it's a disaster because <laughs> in <laughs> Portuguese compared to English, the number of words that you have that could refer to hats uh it's very limited right and you had yes. about 50 or 60 and i was like wow this is insane right so i mean i'm sure you face these types of problems so it, within the six languages do you have uh i guess you don't even have portuguese probably do you no it's not in our main six languages <laughs> i'm sorry i figured <laughs> i'm sorry no we have german french italian spanish dutch and polish Right. Wow, you have yeah. Polish and you don't have Portuguese. Shall I start screaming? Yes. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. It I'm will sure be the there's next a very, one, though. <laughs> there's a valid, valid reason for that. Uh, but yeah, I understand that if you're building it, of course, you have to have uh, figs. Obviously, I was expecting that and because they, they travel so well, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I'm sure that the, you, there's a huge difference uh, between um, the terminology that you need to talk about apparel in these different languages, right? Because it depends on what kind of weather you have in that country, what kind of, you know, uh, relationship you have with sports, for example. So I have to think about all of these things. And so this is your your daily exercise, I suppose, right? And that yes. for, for gloves, for shoes, for all of that, right? I find it fascinating. I've, I've also done a glossary of, of um, things for brides and it's also <laughs> very specific, right? So yes. I, I, I actually think that it's one of the most, 
challenging industries in what comes to localization. Exactly because of that. I mean, the factors that influence the terminology that you have for those objects is just insane, right? Yes. And so, imagine when you have many, many people working on the same content every single day. It's so how impossible do you kind of keep some, let's say some, consistency? Oh. Do you update your materials constantly? Do you review them? Do you have someone who specialized in terminology? Do you have a terminology team? <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't kidding. have a terminology team. <laughs> Those exist in the world, trust me. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, of course, we try to review everything to keep our glossaries up to date, to update our uh, traditional memories, term bases. But then, of course, it's really hard to have an eye on everything, especially when your work counts are really, really high mm -hmm. and you have a lot of content coming in every single day. Um, yeah, we try to do our best, to be honest. Uh, um, I would say we have specific people um, responsible for specific languages, also mm -hmm. like internally. Uh, I am, for instance, uh, responsible for Italian, so... I try to make ah, So you do some language work somehow, maybe from that perspective, but you still do some language work. Yes, you also I would have say the experience. more from a management perspective and also like strategy perspective, uh, then it would be impossible for me to also take care of the language part. <laughs> uh, someone has takes care of it. But yeah, we have specific people we can reach out to if we need um, uh, some co co consultancy uh, Related like some quality language. managers, right? Yes, yes. We also have country rule. managers for specific mm. countries. So it's always good to have these people who can um, help us uh, when we have specific needs. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been a country manager too. So that's that's fun. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's, yeah, that's definitely the kind of thing that interests me the most. Because I guess I love when you have a super direct relationship with the public. I guess it's yes. like it's localization is where you really feel like your work immediately has an impact because of the name of a button or, you know, the, the a link that you need to use or something like that. So I guess I, I really, really enjoy this immediate and super impactful way of, of working with content. So I guess it's it's one of my my favorite things. And I've, I guess my, my first few big projects were, were already in localization when I was in California and therefore the shift and also my interest in, in terminology, I guess, makes it more obvious, right? Yeah, so, that's great. We also have like different metrics that actually help us understand if a language performs better to another one. Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. if, for instance, just like a banner performs better to another one. So we can also try with different sites of communication. And it's mm -hmm. always good to know what actually works for our targets. So you also That's have great. a close relationship with, with the marketing department, right? So that yeah. is insane. I've, I've been in that position too. <laughs> <laughs> in california like i say i did everything in california like all sorts of of jobs right so i, I did work in, at um, a marketing department and it was also like that right so we experimented a lot with banners and things like that just yes. to see what happened and i was responsible also for google ads and things like that so it was <laughs> that's a lot of work it was, it was super interesting fun. <laughs> yeah, it's super. Like, I guess it's because of that, because of the impact that you see immediately right there, right? What's happening, yes. the click rate and all of that. So I guess you have to have uh, some knowledge on on those concepts too, right? Yes. So what is? <laughs> I've never asked this one, but let's go. <laughs> let's go. A typical day in your life with all of that stuff going on, because I know that as language people, 
we're always working because sometimes we don't feel like we're working. So I guess we're always working. It's it's kind of hard to just uh, switch off the button because it's everywhere, right? So everywhere yes. you look, you're watching a movie, you're thinking about language. You're going somewhere, you're thinking about language. You see a translation, you think about, you know, it's constantly there. So it's always, always uh, there. So how is your day, given the fact that you live in a foreign country and all of that? So from uh, the, the professional, the social, the cultural, how is your, your usual day? So I would say in terms of professional life, um, so the, co the company is Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, German. So we have a lot of people uh, from Germany, of course, and then we have a lot of international people. I would say right now, uh, I think it's like 50-50, so 50 from Germany and 50 from other countries. Um, but it was really hard, of course, when you join a company, especially in Ecom, uh, many, many people are from Germany. So I'm from Southern Europe. So <laughs> of course, the... I the style. Know, say it's different. Yeah, it's it's different. <laughs> it's different. It takes um, a lot of time, I would say, to get used to it. Also, in terms of communication, in terms of in terms of working together, it's completely different. I was not used to it. Uh, but then you get used to it, just like everything else. And I would say it's really good right now. Uh, we have these diverse teams. Uh, every day is an opportunity to get to know new people. It's super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. But this is like the professional life because, of course, you're at Puma. It's a huge environment. You you can do many other things outside of work, uh, in the company, inside the company. So it's different. When you're in Germany, uh, in your city, of course, it's different because I don't speak German. Um, but, of course, everyone else does. So it's kind of a challenge for me, to be honest because uh, um, I don't know especially it's especially difficult when you have to deal with bureaucratic things mm -hmm. or when you have to do very specific things and you cannot use English because many many people speak English but also other people don't and when you do bureaucratic things in in, uh, in Germany they say like no you cannot speak English you have to speak German because mm -hmm. you have to be able to speak German and we cannot help you if you don't if you don't speak the language Mm -hmm. And this is maybe because I'm, I'm in Nuremberg, so maybe it's because it's smaller than other German cities. But yeah, I've faced many, many challenges in this one year and a half that I've been here. But it's a constant growth, I would say. I'm also trying to learn German as an additional language. <laughs> so let's see if this works out. But yeah, I would say it's interesting. It's, I would recommend everyone to go and live in another country. Uh, to not be afraid to do it. Mm. So and... do you like leave the office at a regular hour that you can still and do other things? Or do you have like a, a big group of friends or do you have like the Italian community around you or is it not like that at all? There's an Italian community, yes. Uh, a huge actually Italian community. There mm. are a lot of Italians here. That's great. And then of course, I also have my uh, friends, mainly from Puma. Uh, but also other people that I got to know in the city. And it's great. Yeah. Uh, when I log off from work, I do my things, of course, things that I like. Um, a good thing is that there are a lot of opportunities in terms of like creative experience, I've noticed, mm -hmm. especially in this city. You can do many, many things. You can do uh, workshops. You can do uh, pottery classes. You can do sports stuff. It's it's really great. Things that I've never had like in different cities that I've lived in. So really good to see that here they have this kind of experiences that I can do. 
Mm-hmm. So you've been there for a year and a half. So do you think you're just keep on going because there's a lot to learn, a lot to evolve? Or are you thinking that sometime soon you will have some sort of a detour and you'll go either to another company, to another city, leave Germany? So what's your plan for the next year or so? Um, I'm not really thinking about the future, to be honest. <laughs> uh, for now, I'm happy where I am. And yeah, as I said, it's a really great experience. And um, if you're able to learn something every day and train your mind, I think it's the best option you mm-hmm. can have in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm also, as I said, very spontaneous. So I never know. Uh, maybe things can change next month, in a year. I don't know. But for now, I'm happy where I am. Yeah, I always say if you're if you're, you know, younger than thirty five or so, you should change jobs every two years or so. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay, my theory. Six months left, <laughs> and then I would be like, Rita Something told like me to change my job. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it depends. Also, there's companies that give you a lot of chances for growth, and what yes. I say is doing exactly the same thing for a whole two years when you're 27, 29, something like that. I think it's more than enough because you learn a lot. You just soak in a lot of information and you can take it somewhere else and make it better or bigger or apply it in some other way. So I always like having people who have a bit of a, and I didn't know that you were, that you had such a strong background as far as language work itself, right? I thought you were, you, you went through that in a really, um, uh, superficial way but i guess not so that's great so that you're my my kind right <laughs> <laughs> yes. we love looking at it from all the possible perspectives and that's how it makes sense really because yes. everything helps everything like i always say you're a better project manager if you have worked in the activity itself you're a better freelancer if you know how the industry works you're a better vendor manager like me for years and years if you've been already through stages of other very different jobs in the industry that allow you to just see all the possible perspectives. So that's my thing. So I thank you very much, Fabrizio, for being here because it's been amazing. It's amazing that people work at companies and that they embrace their their jobs and that they do things that they really like and can talk about uh, with a lot of knowledge because just being at a company and doing what you're told to do and not venturing out of your own walls it's it's not just the way i fly (laughs) it's good to know that uh, there are other people who also enjoy the experience of working at something that is really relevant and will have a direct impact not only in the company but in this case in your customers and people who will have the experience of working or being a client for you guys so thank you so much and we'll catch up one of these days so yes. thank you so much for being here and enjoy your time in the beautiful Germany. Well, thanks to you. It's been great and looking forward to working together soon. <laughs> yeah, Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you Susan. so much. Bye. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.